It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the GA Hour with me, Niall McIntyre. It gives me great pleasure to say that after all the Zooms and all the recordings and dodgy signals, we're back in the studio today. And what's even better is that as well as our Gaelic football correspondent, Lee Costello, we're also joined by our Scommon legend, Shane Curran. And Shane, what a day to have you. What a week to have you. Good evening now. Good afternoon, Niall. Yeah, what a week. Yeah, what a week is right. Yeah, uh, Easter weekend and uh, obviously... Uh, uh, um, a new time to be talking about championship football and all that, but um, yeah, what a what a weekend for us down in Roscommon, and um, you know it's given great energy over the week, Easter weekend. I know my daughter was out Sunday night. There was a big celebration in in the local Rockfords with all the players and that, and uh, yeah, I think um, you know it's great great to see that that energy is there. And uh, after a, a really really historic win down in down in McHale Park. Yeah, uh, you definitely had the, the two screens open on Sunday, I think, Shane, because I seen you at one stage, you were tweeting goal, goal, goal. And I was wondering, was my television behind? But it was then there was a hashtag Martinelli to follow. So you were a busy man on Sunday. <laughs> I was, yeah. For, fortunately enough, I had the, had the two screens. All right. I was, well, I was trying to keep everyone away from me, though, because our house is, is, uh, is not simple when the Gunners are on and definitely not simple when you have the Gunners and Roscommon on in the championship. And I just got back from Killarney um, uh, with, with uh, Colliery and um, we were down for a weekend down in down in Killarney where we were really well looked after as well I hasten to add and uh, it was it was great to get back uh, Sunday a little bit shook I have to say but um, to watch bo- both games and uh, both games were thrilling but in particular obviously the Roscommon result Roscommon would have picked up anyway and you were busy I'd say watching the two games as well Lee as yeah. a Liverpool fan yeah yeah um, didn't have the same invested interest in Roscommon but you just love to see the underdog you know pull something off so mm. it was a really enjoyable game I was going to switch the Liverpool game off at half time, to be honest. But uh, then the referee elbowed Robertson, and I was like, you know, I might stick around. This could be something. Mm. <laughs> and the two all was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, uh, Easter Sunday, like I mean, football paints, Easter eggs. It's the dream. Geez, we're nearly forgetting this uh, a GA podcast. But I suppose <laughs> last last question: Will the Gunners do it? Yes or no? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they will. Actually, yeah, I'm pretty confident. I think you know. 
Some would say it was two points dropped at Anfield. Others would say a point gained. Uh, I put my positivity hat on. I think after watching Rambo make two world-class saves in the last second where you could be lose a game 3-2 that you're really composed in and, and, and drilling down through it at 2-0 and have a chance to go 3-0. And, you know, it ends up, I think, 2 all was probably a fair result. And uh, Mick Arteta was saying afterwards that, you know, OK, it looks like two points dropped. But on balance, I think it was a fair result. And I think pe- people forget then I think Arsenal's the only team to go there this season and one of the few in the last of the top six over the last few years to actually get a point there. So mm. it's a hard place to go. And as Manchester United fans know, um, you know, we didn't catapult to the to the seven up and seven nil. So it was it was lucky enough we we got our we got our two all draw and we I'm take so that. glad we got that in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm nearly forgetting this is a, a GA podcast here today. So we will we will go straight back to the um, Roscommon Mayo game. Um you tweeted at the at the end of this one, Shane, that it was the the brotherly love of the Roscommon players, the Dailies, the Smiths and the Murtas. And I suppose you, you could see that in their display. Uh, Peter Canavan said after the game, that you can talk all you want about game plans and tactics, but championship football, it comes down to heart and hunger. And Roscommon definitely had that on, on Sunday. Yeah, and, and, and you know, not only that, but, uh, you know, to be able to execute that the attitude with the application of the game plan, because it's obvious that, that um, Davy Burke and his management team had put a huge store and a huge emphasis on a game plan against Mio, um, irrespective of the environment that the team found themselves in. And obviously the environment was that it was it was a very uh, windy, obviously windy day, wet day that maybe you mightn't expect the middle of April. And certainly very few times you have that in championship football, but being as it is with the date and the start, um, April can throw up, throw up all sorts of weather. And Roscommon looked to be ultrally well prepared and um, the attitude that these guys along with others brought to the match um, resulted in, in us getting the, getting the, 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 the victory and um, look at the three the, the three sets of brothers that I alluded to in the tweet uh, you know they owe us common football nothing like you know they've been they've been outstanding Um over the last number of years, and uh, I'd have to add to that, I think Davy Murray was 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 just terrific as well. He he was probably Tender Smith. He ran him very close. I would say to man of the match, along with um, my St. Bridges club mate um, Ben O'Carroll, was was also fantastic on his debut for a young fella. So I think what they've done is they've married the bit of experience or the lot of the lot of the experience of the of the three sets of brothers one or two others and the youth that have come in and Keith Doyle midfielder had a very very good game if not his best game in a Roscommon shirt so far and um you know I think it was that attitude and that application that was the difference in the two sides without a doubt um looking at me oh you, you know I felt they looked they looked a bit jaded I think on the evidence going into the match most people would have would have said that they you know they win pretty comfortably um down there in with their own their own um pitch and their own fans but they never gave their fans anything to shout about and they seemed to be it was very benign it was an off power performance but it was off power basically because Roscommon man for man knew their job I think better than Mayo's and the Winton executors on the day and and uh, Davy Burke. I, I think in a, in a, in a in a time where um, managers and coaches and they are told to act and and work in such a, such a way, um, it's great to see somebody as refreshing as him on the sideline that actually wears his bloody heart in his sleeve. Um, and he, he, I think that's embedded into the team. It has gives infused them with. <laughs> With, with energy and with confidence and uh, they're playing they're playing like a team that the manager believes in them and and it was interesting I suppose to hear him talk a couple of times over the league he has set down a few ground rules and I think over the last three or four years there's probably been an underbelly or an undercurrent of softness 
uh, within the team. We've been beaten by Clare. We've been poor in the championship by and large. He's dropped a few players now and again throughout the league. He's tested um, their, their psychological credentials. They've come back stronger. They've come back harder. Um, there's been an infusion of youth into the squad as well, which which has have give, embellished what, what his message. And um, I, I look at it's great to see that, and it's great to see the energy he has after the game. Uh, you know, he's looking mm. forward to the next match. He's looking forward to the high bin full. He's looking forward to the Galway game, and that sort of energy transmits to the players and the players pick up off that you know and uh, I'd love to see far more of that in the G. I think we've got we've become far more far more um politically correct than we should do you know mm. yeah as Shane alluded to there Lee um it wasn't just a display of as well as all the heart that Roscommon brought they also brought lots of like it wasn't just silly jumping into tackles and giving mm-hmm. away silly frees they were disciplined they're tackling may only scored four frees on the day and as well as that Roscommon seemed to have a clear plan to catch Mayo out by a few balls or fist ball passes over the top mm-hmm. and to create goal chances through that. No, absolutely. And I think they did their homework from the league final. It sort of brings the uh, the spotlight back on the whole league campaign last week. League finals were brilliant. Mayo were brilliant. You know, of course you want to play a final. But now, after watching that, it's you can tell that Ross Common had really done their homework. And uh, the Davy Burke said after the match that he thought last week a lot of Mayo's scores came from free kicks and... Uh, marks and things that got you know sort of set plays and he thought the referee last week was a little bit more uh, casual and you know he gave the freeze very soft and he was sort of banking on that not being the case this time around and he was absolutely right to do so so going in hard with the tackles not they weren't getting away with everything I think it was best typified in the first half Ian O'Shea got blew up for over carrying and um, like but if that was last week even just seven days ago you know it, that would have been a free to Ian O'Shea that's just the way it was sort of going, so playing the referee and being smart like that is important. Um, Mayo do have issues in that sense, you know, I think it was only four points from play last week. The rest was all from freeze and marks, you know, so that was maybe a weakness that he addressed that no one else had sort of picked up on. So we're very clever from Ross Common in a tactical point of view. <laughs> um, the preparation, like, love it when a plan comes together, don't you? You know, when, when someone goes out and set and the players started to buy into that more and more, you know, this is what Davey said would happen. This is what's happening. And they just grew with confidence and they, they, they knew they had it figured out and Mayo came stuck. Yeah, well, Mayo missed those goal chances early on. Mm. They executed them, like, poorly. Tommy Conroy fisted one over the bar and Aidan O'Shea was giving out stink to him outside. There was another overhit fist pass. I think it was Ryan O'Donoghue to yeah. Tommy Conroy. Yeah. Then Stephen Cohen hit the bar. So when they missed them goal chance on a day like that, I'd say you knew watching it that this was going to be trouble for Mayo. But you mentioned, Shane, earlier on that they were a little bit benign and that they stood off for Scammon a small bit. And I suppose that was a little bit strange from a team like Mayo who should have been playing with such confidence. Yeah, it was. It was actually. I, I was. I was dumbfounded by it. Really, um, particularly the first ten to fifteen minutes. Now, you know, tactically, Roscommon's game plan, you know, re- revolved around killing the game, particularly in the first half, when 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 the environment was was a strong win for Mio. So the onus really is on the likes of Mio then to to go after the game, to squeeze up on kickouts, to squeeze up the pitch, make the pitch really really tight, like Roscommon did in the second half. But they didn't seem to do it. They didn't seem to have the energy to do it. They didn't seem to maybe be applied towards doing it like Roscommon Warren. It was interesting, Kevin made a, made a, 
made a comment after the game that he felt one of the goals would have settled them. But I think in a game like this, you, you play it at a pace that's going to settle yourself. And when you miss those chances, which they did, it boils down to two things. It means you, your attitude isn't right or your execution of it isn't right. And some, generally when you're off, it's it's a bit of both and it ends up that you miss the chances. And down the other end, the game now is about learning how to play fast and play slow at certain in certain periods. And um, Roscommon learned how to shift the ball around, move the ball in, move the ball out, enter space, exit space and re-enter the space. And when you look at it, um, tactically, the two goals are actually a mirror image of both side from both sides Davy Murray on the other side getting in behind on a third pass in behind the defender into a void space it's not taken up he ends up being found and it's a penalty the second one is Kieran Lennon entering space exiting the space going back into the space over the top um Okay, I think there was a bit of luck, to be fair. I think it it, it, it got blocked down off a Mayo player. I'd say Kieran, in most cases, would punch that over the bar. But fortune favours the brave. He went for the goal. We got the break. And end is, is following it in. So very, very much tactically like like soccer teams approach breaking down low blocks in terms of, of, of um, defensive strategies. And that's really the way the game has gone. You've got a, got a bit of basketball. You've got a bit of a hybrid of soccer and basketball now where the, you know how to play fast. You know how to play slow and the good players have a realisation of when to find space at the right time and execute then in, in a zone that, that is conducive <coughs> to putting the ball in the back of the net or, or over the bar. Mayo struggled with that against the wind. Um, they struggled with it with the wind as well in terms that if you take Roscommon's six <coughs> scores in the second half, one was in the Smith actually running at the defence, pop over the bar. Three were scores from Jeremy Murtha and, and Kieran Murtha from 45, 50 yards. And Connor Cox. Yeah, and Connor Cox. Um, and uh, those, there think four of those scores, three, two from the Murthas, one from a free and two from from open play, came from really outside what I would call a tap zone, a tap scoring area, you know, you're through attacking point. And Mayo didn't seem to have that or they didn't have the, they didn't have the application to do it or they didn't have the attitude to go and do it. And if you're off a team like Roscommon, did you give them a two-goal lead? They have something to fight for then. And um, the other team, Mayo, just, I don't think they could feel a way around breaking them down. I think they were running the ball into, into dark alleys where Scommon's defending was really, really tight. It was really cooperative. They were working hard together. And when they broke, they broke at pace. They broke in twos and threes. They got out to the wide positions very early. They stretched Mayo and they got the, the six scores in the second half. Interestingly, I think it was 10, 10 scores from 20. Uh, both teams, so uh, ten scores from 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 twenty twenty um, opportunities. Roscommon's two goals really were the, were the, were the killing difference, and Mayo didn't get those two goals. You know, in over time, when the season rolls on, um, maybe Mayo will say, "Look, it's been a blessing in disguise to be out of it." For us, I would have been very happy to get a a good performance down in in Casabar last weekend. Uh, and even be beaten or, or narrowly win. We've narrowly won, which gives us impetus now going to the Galway game and all oh, that is very good. And I think Davy alluded to that, that if you want to become a top six team, which we've probably struggled for uh, over the last number of years, you have to be trying to win these games um, against the big teams and create that sense of expectation. And uh, with the league form um, being the way it was, 
uh, and staying in Division 1, <coughs> now beating Mayo down in Castlebar, we, we've got a great opportunity looking forward to the rest of the campaign and with, 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 um, with the plum and with confidence. Definitely. Um, just one thing there, see, you've played under Kevin McStay, so you and Lee McHale, you won an All-Ireland club with him mm. with St. Bridget's. Like, so you know what those boys are all about and I think at times maybe does, is there a tendency if things go wrong and if a team kind of maybe steps back a bit as we said Mayo did they didn't really press up on his comment we nearly always blame the tactics and the management but do you think it could be an attitude kind of thing when they're just after winning the league and maybe they were a bit do you know this wasn't do or die for Mayo and that maybe a loss in the long run might be the worst thing in the world when they're chasing all Ireland. Yeah, I, I think when they sit back and settle back and, and, and you know, take a break from each other now and, and, and get back into the, the coat and trust of the championship, we're kind of really in, look, we're in, we're in virgin territory here. We're in very new territory in terms of the, the makeup of the championship coming off a league game, a league final, seven days later, uh, getting up for a big championship match. Roscommon um, had that two-week window coming off a really, really positive result against Donegal, irrespective of what Donegal were at. It was a really positive result, just kicked over 20, 20 points in that game. Davy had the two weeks to work on the game, work on a, on a setup, work on the game plan. Mayo maybe had that week and you're three, four days after that game, you're, you're coming down maybe from winning it against a big team like Galway and you're looking forward to three more championship matches in the, in the Connacht Championship inside a five to six week pace. So, the management can only do so much. I think the players, sometimes that just seeps into the mindset and no matter what way you've been managed, it's very, very difficult because you do know that, well, the championship is really not starting until the end of May. Um, the provincials, I think apart from Connacht and Ulster, um, you know, they're, they're relatively passive, they're going to be relatively passive affairs in Munster and certainly relatively passive affairs then in, in Leinster. So Connacht and, and Ulster may be a little bit of a different bind. Um, but again, you know, it's it's very difficult. Like, you know, Kevin as a manager, he I'm sure he was trying to focus the players in on this match and and have things right. But sometimes it can just go again, yeah. It can it can, you know, the confidence can seep away, the attitude can drop a little bit. And when that happens any team will 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 uh, will can can take um can take advantage of it if they are in the mindset of actually going to win the match and that's one thing you'd have to take your hat off to us common forget about the Mio stuff take your hat off to us common the attitude was was brilliant and that then allowed the execution the application of the game plan to come along and uh, you know uh, and long may it continue well listen Lee um Davy Burke is i suppose the man of the moment in that sense, and Shane mentioned him earlier. I love the attitude that he has and the way he talks in his post-match interviews. He's all enthusiasm, mm -hmm. I suppose, and he's not afraid, you know, he's not going around afraid to kind of say something or to say something that's maybe a little bit off, giving something to another team. And he came out after the game and he was talking about, you know, you'd swear we were a lower-level team and we were disrespected and, and everything. Like, um, he has so much to do with this success for us, yeah, and I love that because it gives you a little window into what he's been telling the players, you know, all week long after watching the Mayo team. Like, he obviously takes in all the negative that maybe coming from the media, even ourselves. I think last week we tipped Mayo to win. You know, I'm sticking it on the walls in the dressing room, you in particular now, and uh, <laughs> pointing the finger at you. And um, using that as fuel and for energy. And then even 
managers who do do that, they would never admit to doing it. You know, they go on in front of a camera and they say, well, we do our best. We take each game as it comes and all the boring nonsense, you know, that we're all sick of in, in the media and we're sitting here and we have to try and write something about that, like, you know, but outside of it, you know, but it's just a bit of honesty, a bit of transparency and um, a, a genuine feel of like what a good feeling in a dressing room is like and that that's so contagious even to us and like we're not Ross Common people but you can't help but like them <coughs> can't help but like what they're trying to do what Davy Burke's trying to do and it's definitely a, a difference maker like I'm I'm a big fan of him now I have to say You're running a similar ship with Cowlery Shane by, by the way you're going on I presume ah, Look at it I mean I suppose it might be of a positive mindset most of the time in fairness but I think when you're managing and coaching you're you're always looking to critique and, and you're always looking to see where you can get better to be fair and uh, I, look, at I just like that bit of energy. I like the bit of honesty. I, I don't like this sort of stuff, you know, that everything is so banal and so anal nearly all the time, really, with all the answers we get. And, you know, you're not really giving any insight into the game. And I just hope, like... Media are sometimes funny, you know. Media has changed, obviously, from back in the day. You know, you've got we've got podcasts and we've got this cast and every other cast, really. You know, <laughs> but you know, and, and everybody has opinions. But sometimes those opinions are bound in facts. And the bottom line is, you got to refer to the facts all the time, and you got to refer to to the energy and what you see in front of yourself. And look, what he's bringing is just is, is and he's only a young guy. He's only thirty. His backstory is very interesting, and uh, he's only thirty six, I think. And um, but also the lads around him, you know, you Mark McHugh, you mm-hmm. have Jerry McGowan, um, and and most importantly as well, you have uh, from our, from our own point of view in Roscommon, uh, Eddie Lone is there as well, and Eddie has been involved a lot with under twenties and underage football. Jerry and and Stephen as well, his brother, along with Paul Staunton, over the years have been involved at underage <laughs> level, and they know the players that are coming up through the system, and you know you, you've the lads that were that were introduced the weekend. Those that bit of energy as well. Aligned with the experience of of the of the the, the aforementioned lads, and um, that's usually usually important. And it's not just about the manager; it's it's everything around them that's supporting it. And and we always make that make the point that you know if you don't have if you don't have. Uh, the backroom team behind you if you don't have everybody vested in you the county board the supporters everything and they're getting the resources that's required to make them better any county can get better you know we see it we see it with Loud what Mickey Hart has brought to it um, you can see it with London you can see it with not maybe so much London but certainly Sligo um, London a lot of, lot of injuries you can see it with New York um, there's other examples of it that when it's brought together when Fermanagh is another example mm-hmm. they're really doing well that when you put a plan in place, you give players um, a roadmap, you, you're vested in them and you're interested in them and you'll give them confidence, well then I think anything is possible. And uh, look at our weekend was last weekend. I wouldn't be dissing on me, oh, I think they'll be back. I mm-hmm. think they'll, be, they'll come back stronger. Um, they're a very, very good county, I think, you know, when you look at them. Um, if I could look at Roscommon in 10 years' time, where Mio had been for the last 10 years getting to 78 All-Ireland Finals and putting it up to probably one of the greatest teams of all time, albeit they didn't get over the line, that's fine. Um, someday they will. There's no doubt about that. If we could be like that and we aspire to be like that and you aspire to compete, um, you know, and you put the resources behind it, you put a plan in place over the next 10 years to ensure that you can continue that on, mm-hmm. not just be playing in the moment. And that's the 
been a historical problem for probably smaller counties. You play in the moment, you enjoy the result, but what's actually happening behind the scenes? Yeah. How are we building the future? You know, how are we going to work towards making this better? How are we going to have better, more days like this? Mm. You know, and that's that's the key to, to the key to actually fulfilling your promise over time. It, I understand. I don't think it's going to happen. <clears throat> um, Overnight, it's not. There will be bad days, and then the days then that the Davy Burks and all the managers that are involved, and particularly Davy because he's young, criticism comes your way then, and it's how you deal with it. But if the support structures are there, you can deal with it. And um, may all have to deal with it now. Um, it'll be somebody else's turn next week, and then as the season goes on, you you, you come to a finale, and uh, the best team gets over the line. Um, and there will be many winners and losers along the way, and there'll be many teams that have have progressed. And I think, you know, you look at Colin Collins down and down and Clare as well. Wonderful. He's there seven, eight years doing a great mm-hmm. job. Um Kieran McGinney and Armagh has brought them from a low ebb. He's brought them to where they are now. So that bit a lot that bit of belief mm-hmm. in a in a in a in a plan is, is crucial. And then like the opposite of that would even be Donegal at the minute, you know, where there's so much friction between the county board mm-hmm. and the teams and the players and <laughs> the knock on effect it has in a negative sense, you can see that's what it looks like when it's not right. Mm. So, you know, just as another clear example of why it's so, so important. Mm. Yep. And I suppose a place where it's going to be a little bit downbeat this week is is Leitrim. Um I was talking to a few lads, I had a few lads down in Leitrim over the weekend and they were in uh, the pub watching the match and they just said, once that last New York penalty went in, you could have heard a pin drop. Mm-hmm. There was supposed to be music playing in the pub afterwards and it was all done everyone gone home early depressed yeah. um so very disappointing for them i'm sure you've seen it lee uh oh, man. it was a fast game obviously on the gaelic park surface uh a lot of mistakes a great win for new york and uh yeah. disappointing loss for leitrim oh yeah yeah and a historic win for new york um from a leitrim point of view i mean like it's murphy's law you know they're saying new york haven't had this win in a conic championship but it was always going to happen it's just you didn't want to be the team that it happened to do you know what i mean and leitrim it was like a perfect storm in terms of one team being absolutely getting everything right and then another team falling down in areas that that give the opposition a chance but uh, it was definitely their story on the day Shane Carthay, what a player that left foot point to equalize you know when that went over you sort of felt like this is this is going to be their day, you know, the fairy tales there. And listen, there's been a lot said about penalties in terms of they shouldn't be in the GAA. It's not a GAA <coughs> thing. But wouldn't it have been really bad if that went to a replay? Like you've been gutted, you know. I'm like, I'm like, for once, I'm really glad that it went to penalties and we got a definitive winner on the day. Now, the penalties were shocking. <laughs> like, I think it was 2 0 they won in the end. And there was a lot of question marks about you'll be able to say more keepers coming off the lane and all the rest of it. But uh, look, they, they got there in the end. New York don't care how they got there. And it was amazing to watch. Mm. Did you enjoy? Facing the penalties, Shane, I presume you enjoy. Uh, yeah, well, actually, yeah, I did because you know, some when you're a goalkeeper, really, you know, it's all it's all the pressures on the on the player taking them, you know, and and, and really, it's it's an opportunity to be a hero. And uh, I don't think the rules were were generally followed because I think the goalkeepers were really out the penalty spots for some of the saves. I'm not surprised so many of them were missed, you know. But but um, look, it's a great story. And again, you know, the Davy Burke story is, is 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 a wonderful story for us and a wonderful story for Davy for, for, for Davy in particular. But then you've got on the flip side you've an Dandy Morton as well, you know, that goes to New York, the first manager to lose. And he's going to need support from his county board and for all the good things about New York, Shane Carty and then um, young Glenn from Galway and what they have is, I think, a number, if not if, the number I may not have right, but I think a half a dozen to seven players of indigenous footballers now that are not Irish that have come up through the New York system, which is which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not too long ago, 
um, that a Kevin McStay led Roscommon with Fergal O'Donnell uh, were almost beaten there and just came out by across the width of a crossbar in 2016. So this has been coming and they've been they've been competitive against Sligo, they've been competitive against us. Um, they have players out there now that have played the game and understand the game. And, um, you know, you'd be delighted for them, absolutely thrilled for them. Um, but also I think you have to feel for, for Leitrim as well, you know. But that's sport, you know, you, you, it's ups and downs and it's ins and outs. <coughs> it'll be interesting to have to travel now to Sligo um, for the Connacht semi-final. So that'll, that'll bring a whole other set of set of, of challenges but I'm sure it's one they're looking forward to and, and uh, they've earned the right now to be there and um, fair play to them and Shane Carty what a score I think I was listening to him and he played the full game with a yeah. with a right quad gone and, and yeah. could only kick the ball with his left foot like that's just Imagine him with two feet Oh that's, that's <laughs> imagine him with two feet so but uh, look it's, it's, it's a brilliant story and uh, you could see actually the outpouring of emotion as well on the pitch yeah. after the game that it meant so much to them and uh, obviously the communities over there as well not only are the football clubs they're social clubs they do an awful lot for people going out to find people jobs and things like that and and uh, you know it's just a great it's a great story it's a, it's a, it's it's something I suppose when we look back on the the highlights reel of this year that it'll, it'll feature quite highly. Well, you mentioned Shane Carthy there and he also said in that interview that he he's based in Boston and he's. Do you know, he's making, it's a four-hour commute up, a four-hour commute back. He comes up of a Thursday for training, stays up the weekend, back again. He mentioned that he'd, he'd checked, planned the diary with Johnny McGinney, the manager, and it was 10 sessions he'd be up for. And, you know, you can imagine the Leitrim, they nearly do 10 sessions in two mm-hmm. weeks, which I suppose underlines the achievement yeah. that, of New York. Like, they wouldn't have had, they wouldn't have had a proper, really, challenge game. Who are they going to play That's it. when they're out there? Like, so... But listen, they did have a very um, a very strong team this year and you could only see that from the names on the team. Mm-hmm. You'd built two lads from Tipperary, stood out for me straight away, Bill Maher, Alan Campbell. But you'd, uh, it was a similar team to the team last year mm-hmm. that ran Sligo close. Yeah. So there's something building. You could see that last year and they're they're getting better. Yeah, that's important too because I think the turnover of players every single year, it's hard to build a camaraderie, you know, and a team spirit when it's new people coming in and new people leaving all the time. So having players stick around, you know, super important and to know that they're a part of a foundation here and the building towards it, that commute from Shane Carthy is just insane, isn't it? I mean, I feel bad now I was giving off about coming down from Belfast to here in the train. <laughs> I look pretty bad. But um, I think it was Paul Flynn was saying in the, the Sunday game that, uh, it's no secret Shane was just the, the fittest player in that team, in that Dublin panel. Um, and th- this is when Dublin were at their absolute peak and winning every All-Ireland, maybe one of the best teams ever. But they would do, you know, fitness tests, what, like four or five times a year at different stages of the season. And he was just guaranteed to come, you know, out first and, and, and all of them won. So he is like a, a freak in, in that sense when it comes to that element of his game, the running. And that all comes from what, you know serious determination and serious commitment so it's brilliant to see that that's like transpiring and, and filtering through to his teammates and onto the pitch and it'll be really interesting to watch them going forward and like you say they're playing Sligo next we had a big win themselves against London Pat Spallan Jr corner forward I think he scored 1-4 um, which is very impressive and I, and I do have a question for Shane because Pat Spallan's goals he scored a goal and went right into the top corner and then he had another goal chance that hit the crossbar and it went over. And then I'm looking at Stephen Cohen from AO. He hit the crossbar as well. And in the Sunday game, all of the goals nearly were, and misses, were like they were aiming for the crossbar. And I remember reading Desi Farrell's book and he said he aims for the crossbar because chances are you're, it's too small a target to actually hit. And if you hit under it, then the keeper's got no chance because it'll bounce in over. 
um, or hopefully it hits into the top corner. And in worst case scenario, you overhit it and it goes over the bar. You know, not the, not the worst thing in the world, which is what happened, Pat Spillane. He got both ends of that stick. But I'm just thinking, is that something that's coached now? Like, as a goalkeeper, is that not, would you prefer that if someone was coming at you and they're going for the, the top ends every time rather than hitting it low and hard, which was what I was always told from underage, or did I just have really bad coaches? <laughs> I think it, dep- it depends on when and where in the area you pick the ball up. Um, yeah. You know, if you're shooting from further out, it's easier to put it into the top of the net. If you're coming a lot closer and the goalkeeper is closing you down, then it's probably a lot easier a lot easier score keeping it on the floor than it is keep going high. Um, the margin for error is, is very, very, uh, very low, no matter what you're doing. I mean, if you're looking for the postage stamp all the time, um, there is that possibility you'll put it wide. You know, mm-hmm. I think certainly in a snapshot of a couple of games over this weekend, um, that certainly won't tell us but I think down low um, is, uh, is, uh, if you're going for a goal um, you're through one goal one on one is probably the better area um, it's very difficult to elevate it from, from, a, from a kick from a moving kick at speed um, if the goalkeeper's advancing on you um, so there, there is there's a few there's a few variables in that you know and it depend, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a lot of depend depend depends on the angle in which you're running at the goal as well um, so there's a lot of different different um, different dimensions mm-hmm. to it for both the, the decision maker Who's taking the shot and the goalkeeper then and you know the environment he finds himself in is there is there defenders in front of him is there is there not you know so mm-hmm. there's there's a few different different uh, different um, if you look at Kieran Lemons there was a goalkeeper and thing and it rebounds back to Donny Smith and he soccers it into the back of the net you know yeah. so there are you know every goal will bring its own different different tactical issues and uh, I think players that I would have um, certainly played against them. Um, Frankie Dolan been one. He'd always be looking for the top being all right, but yeah. he was he was pretty good at putting it into it, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it just depends. It just depends on on when when and where you pick up the ball and and the amount of people around you and what what's the what are the what are the challenges you face and what are the barriers to putting the ball in the back of the net. You know, I don't think it's any any one thing as such. You know, well, as wasn't it amazing? Um, I suppose the scene you could see how much it meant to the to the New York players. The pitch invasion straight after the game. Larry McCarthy was even down in the middle of it. He'd have his own connection to that. But I suppose, like, when you think about it, these boys, like, we mentioned Shane McCarthy coming from Boston. There's other boys getting subways up to training and through the cold weather. Like, the commitment these boys put in. And I seen Johnny Glynn at the end of the match. And when there was the big, the big pitch invasion, the rest of the bench had flooded and he was just standing there and he was hugging someone. And you could see how much it meant to them there and then. Like, these boys... Do you know, it shows how much they put in. They put a lot in just to make it to the field when you're playing for New York. Oh, they do. They absolutely do. And a very good friend of mine who's also my, my, my um, um, coach at, at Colliery, Owen Mooney, he's originally from Fermanagh and he's a games development officer here in Dublin. He was games development officer with, with Rockland there for a number of years. And there was amazing work going on out there. You know, there was amazing work going on, you know, at underage level. You know, the amount of, um, you know, as I said, indigenous people that not necessarily Irish backgrounds or Irish roots, but they're, they're playing Gaelic football in Gaelic Park and they're turning up to Rocklands and places like that. Um, there is obviously a high, a huge Irish element and a huge Irish diaspora over there and huge Irish communities. But there are other communities now filtering into it as well, which is great. And, you know, it, it's I think all of that sort of embellishes the GEA. I think a couple of years ago, I might have said that London and New York shouldn't be in the championship, but I, I don't necessarily think they should be in a, in, a, in a senior championship. But they have the opportunity. They've proven they can, they can compete now. And maybe 
maybe in time, you know, we might have another cup outside of the Talton Cup, you know, that the, the, the likes of a London and New York can compete to even win. And I think, you know, winning a cup over in New York would, 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 would be something else as well for, for, for them or even for London. And uh, we'll have to see where the GA goes over the next, I think the next half a dozen years there will be there will be huge changes in how our competitions are structured and how football is structured um, I think probably you know one of the things you'd look at is how can the gates be kept be kept um, be kept um, properly properly financed and you know a lot of the games over the weekend there was very poor crowds at them compared to the league games I thought and uh, New York been an exception and maybe Mikhail Park been an exception but uh, other games didn't seem to have have th- those those crowds particularly in Clare and Cork which was a small crowd as well and Antrim and Antrim and uh, Antrim and um, Armagh mm-hmm. was a was a small crowd, so look at maybe as the season gets on and um, uh, it that will change. But I think also the cost of these things has to probably be looked at by the GA, maybe with season tickets and things like that to make it more more affordable for families to go to the games because we do see a lot of kids coming out onto the pitches now, and mm-hmm. it's just great to see. It's it's great to see them interacting <coughs> with the the Johnny Glins and you know the Carties and you know obviously in our own county that the lads you know all the players. Because that that's if if we don't have that, we don't really have a future. You know, we're not we're not like soccer. We're traditionally completely different and to see that been allowed is great, firstly and foremostly, but to have more and more of it and to make it more affordable for families to go to matches, I think is hugely important going forward. Definitely. Um yeah, and I suppose another the it was maybe a weekend of of surprises and Claire, I don't know. Some you couldn't really write them off with what they've done in recent years, beating Roscommon last year. You know, they just they seem like a team who can always turn up on on the big occasion, and that was exactly what they did at the weekend. Um, it mightn't have been too much of a, of a surprise than beating Cork, but they definitely did as the hard way because having played with the wind, they were four down at half time, mm-hmm. and they had to claw themselves back into it, and they did that. So they're. They're a very gritty team. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like during the league, they, you can't really be on, you know, the league tells all in, in, in certain stance. You know, if you get relegated, you probably deserve to get relegated. But Clare were probably the closest thing to being unlucky. Do you know what I mean? Because they, they ran so many, so many of their games were so competitive and they lost them in the stretch, like late in the game. So this would have been a huge, huge win for them to win a tight match like this and to be four down at, ha- at halftime and, and to really show that they're, their grit um, is, is just it's brilliant to see. Um, Cork, on the other hand, though, like that's a completely different story and it's just all negative now because you never know where you stand with them. Every time you think they're building something and they're going to push on, like we've been saying for years, there's been an over-reliance on Brian Hurley maybe, but then we thought that's that's sort of evolved now, you know, the Stephen Sherlock and uh, Sean Powder and stuff, you know, they're sort of sharing the load, but Brian Hurley was taken out of the team because of injury and they missed him so much. Like, I mean, he, he had that spark and they, they didn't know where to find it from anywhere else. Uh, Stephen Sherlock scored 10 points out of their 13. Imagine, and he, he was carrying an injury going into that game. So imagine he didn't play. You know, I, I know someone else would have took over the free kicks and probably done okay. But like, it does make you worry for them that they can be so brilliant, but also so fragile. Like if you take one or two little pieces away, then they completely collapse. Well, the stat that stood out for me was that um, I seen Eamon Murphy had it. Uh, yesterday was that of their minor and under 20 All-Ireland winning teams in 2019 only one of them players was starting on Sunday for Cork so there's obviously been a bit of uh, Colin Mahoney's injured and Morris Shanley probably would have been starting both of them were injured but there's probably been a bit of a 
Do you know, you'd expect more to come through from All-Ireland winning teams. Well, if, if you kind of, you know, draw the draw the, the inference from that, leaving you look at Roscommon, I think, over the, the team on the weekend, we, were, we had three debutants all in around the 2021, Dylan Rowan, uh, who was on the 20 panel two or three years ago. He's come through. You know, there's been been a few lads that have been been brought through at, the, at, at that at that age group, and that's you, that's crucial. You know, if you're, if you're ever in doubt between an old fella finishing off and a young fella starting, you've got to bring young people through the system and you've got to give them opportunities and it just seems to me Cork seems to be dysfunctional they just don't seem to be able to get it together um, or keep it together uh, after as you alluded to there being, being involved in those finals and and for a big county I think an awful lot of resources are going into obviously going into Hurling we, we, we know that and I think it's accepted down there but I think somebody down there with a football hat has got to get to get, get their, their, um, their act together get a programme in place get a pathway for them because they've been at this This has been going on now for since 2010 since they won an All-Ireland final with, with a really good group of players experienced <coughs> players and there's been a lot of a lot of I think poor commentary coming out of the county in terms of the supports that they get and um, the coaching structures and all that sort of stuff and you know it's a huge huge county with a huge tradition but yet they don't seem to be able to get it together and Colm Collins uh, down in Clare you know coming off of really a very small player base it has to be said um, he's, he's performing miracles you know outside of the, the league stuff you know that could have went either way um, they'll probably now find themselves in a, in a Munster final and you know they'll, they'll go into the All-Ireland series confident mm-hmm. and uh, the, the way I think he speaks the way he he, he is so much charisma um, I know there was talk of him maybe pulling back and the players um, wrote in and, and, and supported him uh, last year. He's seven or eight years in the job now. It's a long, long time inter-county managing and um, to be able to keep that going and keep a county like Clare really competitive um, <coughs> you know, just shows the, the miracles that he's working down there. But for Cork, it's, it's sad, I think, because I think Munster Championship needs it needs Cork, you know. Kerry need Cork, I think, as well. You know, you know. I think Cork, Cork and Kerry have that kind of historical, traditional kind of bone, bone heading and bone fighting that they've been at for 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 decades. I don't know if if you had a better Cork, would you have a better Kerry? I know they won the All Ireland last year, but um, is that poss- Is it possible for Kerry to keep going without a Cork? I I don't think so. But it's it's. Um, it's something for them that internally I think they they have to strive to be a lot better and uh, you know I, I think um, Billy Morgan has been working miracles still in his 70s with with UCC I think the likes of him should be kind of brought in to say well okay let's put a structure here let's get the best people in and let, let's build from the bottom you get the building blocks in and start with the youth and, and that and uh, as you said Brian Hur- Hurley is kind of you know he's their he's their, the pinnacle player for them and if he doesn't play you're left with left with one other player um, kicking 10 points for you and uh, that's not that's not viable in, in championship football and you take out young Sherlock and you're basically left with a, with a two or three point three point uh, team maybe you know a four point team and uh, notwithstanding you get a free taker you're warming championship matches at that and you need to be even to go deeper into your bench you know to give players opportunity <coughs> of playing at a championship level so look at it it's, it's a problem for them um, I, I, I'm too far removed to to, to understand it all, but um, certainly for a big county, they're not they're not they're not competing where they should be. Does it show how how reasonable a manager Colin Collins must be that after eight years they still want him back and they still want more from him? And you seen it at first hand last year, Clare beating Roscommon. Like these boys are well able to lift it when they need to on a big day. 
Yeah, that's the second time they've beaten Roscommon in the Championship in the last six years. You know, they, they beat us in uh, Salt Hill as well in 2017 or 18, I think. I'm not too sure of the year, but um, you know, they, they're very good players and they're buying into buying into into him as a man. You know, and shows what man management is about as well. Sometimes we get lost in all the tactical stuff and all the, all the football stuff. Generally, that looks after itself. You know, you've got a coach now for everything. You have a strength and conditioning coach, you have a backs coach, you have a forwards coach, you have a midfield coach, you have a goalkeeping coach, you have a physiotherapist. I don't know matter what else you have. You have an analyst, all that. But it's the manager really that knits all that together and it's the manager that keeps the players intrigued and it's the manager that keeps the players interested. And generally that comes from respecting uh, respecting each other and um, doing the things that, that gains that respect. And whether it's an arm on the shoulder for one fella and a kick in the bottom for another fella, uh, to have that skill set is crucially important. And, and you know, the good, the good managers have that. The top managers have it. The football stuff generally looks after itself. It's the it's the, the stuff on the side that needs to be done done correctly. And obviously Colin is very good at it. You know, you'd, you'd know the way he speaks he's, he's terrific definitely yeah um i suppose the next game is the armagh and antrim maybe this one i'd say it could have been nearly over after nearly five or ten minutes when armagh were six points up and it nearly kind of just rambled on to the finish like that lee yeah. you were watching it so maybe not the most entertaining but armagh looked a little bit more attacking than they had been earlier in the league yeah, yeah, they definitely were a little bit more adventurous, especially in the first half. Uh, we've been very critical of them in the league. They seem to have completely abandoned their kicking game, um, trying to play everything throughout the back. But I don't know if it was because they're playing Antrim, you know, a Division Three team, and they know that they'll be able to outmuscle them, that they were just being a bit braver and going forward. Um, it was still a bit... You don't want to be too critical because they scored 20 points. So, I mean, that, that's fantastic, obviously. But they just looked like they lacked like that ruthlessness. You know, they didn't manage to get a goal, which has been a big thing for them all season. I think only Ethan Rafferty's got the only goal for them. I, I might be wrong in saying it, but he's definitely one of the only few that's got it. Um, they were missing some players. Jolly Oak Burns was missing. Ray O'Neill obviously missing. And it looks like he's going to be missing for the next game as well, uh, according to the management. But... You know, they got the win. They're on the easier side of the draw for Ulster. Uh, they'll be eyeing up on an Ulster final. I think they have to play the winner between Down and Donegal. Like, they haven't been very successful in Ulster under Kieran McGinney, so this will be the best chance that they've had in a long, long time. And I'm starting to think maybe Rain O'Neill being out for a couple of games might do him the world of good because he's had the weight of the world in his shoulders uh, as an Armagh player now for a few years. And like he wears it well. You know, you only had to look at him, that free kick against Galway last year. <coughs> Unbelievable. But just maybe taking him out of the spotlight. Because honestly, you go to any Armagh game, every programme, you know, is, is, is it has to be a picture of Ray. And every, every social media post, they have to have his face on it. You know, every time they unveil a jersey, it's like it doesn't count unless it's him. Even when know? he wasn't on the team, he it, was the picture on the Yeah, in the drone game. And yeah, I mean, it's absolutely insane. So maybe taking him out of the picture just for a little while, then slipping him back in. And just letting him express himself without all the pressure of the world. Connor Turbot stepped up. He's, he, he was brilliant. He got man of the match. And maybe not having Rain there, you know, give him that platform to do that. Like how Matthew Tierney did for Galway with Shane Walsh and David Comer out, you know. Things like that can be blessings in disguise, you know. But I am maybe, you know, <laughs> I don't know Old if I'm fire. clutching here. Like, you know, just trying to figure some maybe positives here for Armada to build on. But I'd fully expect him to make a, an Ulster final. You were disappointed with them in the league, Shane? I was very disappointed with them. They seemed to lack kind of a, a clarity around their play, really. You know, they'd abandoned, as, as Lee said, the, their kicking game, which I think was, it seemed to be proven very effective for them over the last couple of years. Notwithstanding, I know they had injuries and things like that, but I think you can still 
still keep your 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 focus on on trying to develop the footballers within the system you wanted want to develop. And I think it's really become almost a game. Their their game became very centered around Ethan Raftery coming out a goal. Um, a lot of players didn't seem to understand where or what they were doing. Um, I particularly watched them in, in, in the in the Roscommon League game and there seemed to be a frustration born out of, of the way they played they were playing, the, the the speed in which they played. And if certain things didn't work for them then they, they reverted back to type into a very defensive block, which I suppose most most teams do. But there just didn't seem to be that fluidity in their football that there was last year. And I when you look at them, um particularly since since um in the last two years, there's been a change in there was seemed to be a change in direction in how they were playing. Um, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Have the are the conflicted that that's the right now way to play, or can we find a, a hybrid model to, to to get the best out of our players? And uh, maybe you know when they sit down when they sit down as a management group. Um, over the next four to six weeks, they have a lot of time to plot out their course, you know, and and maybe the league football they'll say, yeah, we were, we maybe learned this out, or we maybe learned that out, or and and uh, they may just factor in some of the changes and decide that you know this is the way we will revert to how we played over the last two years when we get all our players back and and having Rio Neil back will be huge, and I I, I have to say with with, with Lee as well, he's one hundred percent right. Sometimes taking a player like that out of the fire line, letting other players adjust, letting other players. Seeking so actually get up to the mark and start start sharing a bit of the load out around the team, um, could that help? And I think if if that can help, um, then you've got a better you've got a better group instead of just maybe factoring in one player that maybe might be easily targeted, particularly in Ulster because it's a battlefield. But certainly, as you go into you know a three four game program, um, after that, uh, you need all the players being able to chip in, or certainly more than one in the forward line being able to chip in with scores at vital times. And they have a battle maybe to find maybe the best way of playing. Um, but if they got to an Ulster final and won an Ulster final, they would get confidence from that. And, and uh, that'll be the challenge for them now over the next next uh, four to six weeks. I was wrong. They're going to play Gavin next. And that's actually not an easy game at all, to be fair. Yeah. A team full of confidence. So it's tricky enough. Yeah, they might need Reno Neil back sooner yeah. than expected. <laughs> um, well, there were other good wins for Wicklow. Shin McConville's obviously flying there to beat Carlo, uh, a good win for Offaly. They hadn't beat Longford in, in a long time in the championship. Leash had a good win. Tipperary uh, had a tough time against Waterford. We eventually uh, scraped through. But um, before we let you go, Shane, uh, we're not going to let you go that easy. We have a little quick fire round of questions where we're going to throw a few, maybe a few little spanners in the works. We're going to throw them at you and uh, you can Paul, tell, yeah. us, okay. tell us whatever, whatever comes into mind. So... Um, First of all, who is going to win the Ulster Championship? I think actually the Ulster Championship, it depends. The teams are relatively fresh, um, maybe from their league games. The Tyrone seem to have come back into it a small bit. You know, they seem to be getting one or two players back. Um, I, I kind of fancy them to win the Ulster Championship, funnily enough. I, I don't think they win the All-Ireland, but I do think Tyrone will win the, win the Ulster Championship. Okay. I can see Lee smiling yeah, beside me. That's it, yeah. That's he, one for you, Lee. Yeah, thanks, pal. <laughs> you got the brown envelope. Who's going to win the All-Ireland? 
Well, I was asked last week who'd win the who'd win the Connacht Championship, and I said Galway'd win the Connacht Championship, and Mayo would win the All Ireland. Um, have I seen anything from last Sunday to change my mind? Um, possibly, but then um, you know James Carr comes back into it. A couple of the under twenties, young Tuhi, young Callanan. Um, will Mayo get better after last Sunday? I think the way I think the break will do them good. Um, I I think it's awful hard though to look past Dublin. I really do. You know. Um, it could be a Dublin Mayo, uh, maybe All Ireland semi final with the winners winning it, but I, I think probably Dublin are going to going to be there thereabouts. Um, I think whoever beats them, it'll certainly um, go a long way towards winning it. Um, so possibly Dublin. What's your favourite sport to watch outside of the GA? I'd have to say the old the old soccer. Yeah, obviously I played uh, played a bit of it and uh, enjoyed my time in the League of Ireland in the nineties. It has changed since then. I think to be fair, but. Uh, uh, no, um, yeah, I like the old soccer and obviously following the Gunners. Yeah, but when I seen the Arsenal wallpaper on your phone, I, I had a feeling that answer was coming. Um, am I right in saying you had a trial with Man United when you were younger? Back in the day, back in back in 87, yeah, before I went went, went to uh, League of Ireland with Lone Town, yeah, and I've been over there with... Uh, with them, yeah, for for two weeks, um, incorporated a thing with Bobby Bobby Jordan School of Soccer. So yeah, it was a great experience and good fun. And um, you know, came back obviously played League of Ireland, and there was a bit of chatter and talk about City and Liverpool at the time, but it just didn't get over the line. And uh, I think she given took my place at Celtic as well. So <laughs> yeah, look, it's one of those things. You enjoyed it over there. Yeah, yeah. Look at yeah, it was a great time. Um, you know, um. One of the coaches, he's, he's, he's uh, yeah, obviously Ferguson was there and Kevin Morden was actually there at the time as well. He was great to me. Kevin was, was very nice to me. Uh, his uh, house was common connections. I think John O'Gar and himself are married to two girls from, from, from Westport. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, at it's a long, long time ago and um, it, was, it was a good time. Who is your favourite Gaelic footballer to watch in the country? Quite a few. Look at it. I think I love watching. I love watching. Actually, I love watching like your Murth in our own county and Ben O'Carroll and um, the, the top top players along with many more. But the, they're great lads to watch. Um, I, I think. Look at we all love watching Clifford. I think you know he's just your is just top class and uh, and he's so so skillful. He's been been a tremendous tremendous player. Um, for Kerry, got them over the line and obviously with Fossa um, and with, with his brother Paddy, um, Shane Walsh. Um, is, is is a standout player as well, you know. Um, and I think uh, Peter Canavan has, has a couple of good ones coming up as well. So Reen O'Neill with, with Armagh, but uh, I think uh, look at I think anyone that watches <laughs> football, um, David Clifford, and I think really the best to me the best footballer that that has been pound for pound for the last ten years, fifteen years, um, is, is is young McCarthy from Dublin. I think uh, we'd have to give him him one of the one of the top spots. You mentioned Ben O'Carroll there. Did you always know in St. Bridges that this fella had it? A uh, special talent, yeah, special talent. I don't particularly. I don't want to be, you know, putting too much, much, um, you know, uh, pressure on his young shoulders. But yeah, I mean, he's. We've been very fortunate in Bridges. We had with a lot of really good footballers, but Frankie and and Sen and Kilbride were probably the standout forwards we've had over the years. And uh, I think Ben could be the next one. You know. Okay. Um, sweeper keepers, yay or nay? Um, 
Yeah, look, at, a lot of people ask me this question. I think it depends on on the managements. It depends on the on the um, the goalkeepers and the skill set of the goalkeeper. It depends on what they can and what they can't bring to a team. Um, some goal, some teams survive very well without it. I think um, Young Reap with, with Mio, to be fair, is an excellent goal, actual goalkeeper. Um, now last weekend these kickouts weren't weren't what the war over the league season, um, but that was down to probably Roscommon and, and how they closed it out. Um, he's he's a traditional style keeper. Um, then you've got obviously Niall Morgan and you've got a lot going on with other goalkeepers around the place, Neeson Raffertree and, and that and then you have Shane down and down down in um down in Kerry. So there's an awful lot of lads that, you know, have the skill set now uh, to actually come out and play because some of them they're actually outfield players with their clubs. Um and some are are, are now no natural goalkeepers. So it depends on the team and, and um uh, look at I think, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages. Um, my view is on it you can't win in All-Ireland without a goalkeeper who's technically really really good at goalkeeping and um, I don't think any team has won won in All-Ireland yet without a goalkeeper who's technically really proficient because when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it you will concede goals with a goalkeeper that isn't technically able to make the save at the right time um, when when um, it's in the melting pot, and uh, that would be that would be the overall view I would have on, on Gaelic goalkeeping. Having played as an outfielder, you were like when you were younger, you were obviously an ideal fit for a lad to be kind of bombing up the field as a keeper. Like there wasn't as much of it in in your time, but um, yeah. Like you, you enjoyed it, kind of. You played it as as it lied, I suppose, was how was how you did it. Correct, yeah. And as I look at, I was supported by management at the time as well. You know, um, God rest only shine was the first one really that I, that I would have done it with, and then John Tobin and uh, Tommy Carr going forward, and Kevin McStay and many more. But they they, they facilitated it um, as long as it wasn't hardship or causing uh, problems to the team. And uh, it was a bit different that time in that you know forwards. Once you beat them once, they weren't going to run back. They never really ran back to 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 defend, apart from maybe your wing forwards or your centre forward. Full forward line never did. Um, nowadays it's changed. I mean, the full forward line is almost now all always out past the forty five. So it's easy for a goalkeeper to advance and, and bring the ball through almost to the halfway line now with, with teams defending in in a low block uh, inside the forty five meter line at at worst and certainly inside the the midfield half. So um, you can play. You know you see a lot of ball going over and back to the goalkeeper there's, where there's no possibility of 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 the ball being taken off him. Um, Maybe it's an referee slightly different in that he will take on players inside that that cutting half and he will cut, but he's really an in, a, an intercounty probably midfielder, um, and he has got that skill set and and Kieran McGinley and his management allow him to to go and do that and and at times it's it works it works out well. I watched your famous one against Castlebar uh, this morning when you came running out of the goals. Um, maybe you were a bit old for it at that stage. You got a bit of an injury on the way back. Well, yeah, I was a bit old for I was hitting my 40, 50 year, I think, at that stage. And, and uh, the pitch was soggy and I, I probably hadn't done the training I was supposed to have done either at that stage of my career. But uh, yeah, I got I got hurt the Achilles going back into goal and I ended up lying down, uh, getting getting substituted, actually, uh, as it happens afterwards. But I went into extra time. 
against uh, against Casabar, and that was an extra time. Um, I hasten to add, I think, uh, I think, uh, refereeing performance that day left a lot to be desired. And but uh, Casabar went on to win, went on to the All Ireland final, didn't unfortunately get over the over the line. But uh, yeah, that was one of my last uh, last uh, forays out of out of the goal. I think yeah. The physio got a bit of a hard time off you that day. Pat did, yeah, he did, yeah, he still is, he still does, uh, yeah, he did indeed. But I suppose when you're trying to carry twenty stone off the pitch at that stage, it's not simple either. You know, and I wasn't particularly wanting to go off either, and it's in for a little bit of game management and that sort of stuff, you know. But uh, it didn't work out. I was told a funny story um, yesterday, and you can tell me now if this is true or not. But I was telling uh, one of the lads that uh, Shane Kern was coming on the podcast, and they were in college with a fella from St. Bridget's who was also a goalie, and uh, they were telling me that you were in goals at the time, he was the sub goalie, so your nickname was obviously Cake. And this man's nickname, what the boys in college were calling him, was Cupcake. Yeah, 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 correct. Yeah, actually, Shane. Yeah, she was Shane Mannion. Yeah, Shane was uh, Shane was uh, second goalkeeper in around the 2013-14. Went on to play minor football with them. With Roscommon, um, played with Bridget's. Um, sadly, he's not playing at the moment. Um, he hasn't played, I think, since the county final in 2018. But yeah, he was a very, very good goalkeeper. A great, great, uh, great capability and great ability um, um, at the time. And uh, yeah, they, they were never shy about putting um, 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 nicknames on lads down in Roscommon. <laughs> so poor old, poor old Shane ended up as Cupcake. Yeah, and, and uh, my day finished. He, he became the real one. Where did the K come from? Ah, uh, look, it's a long story to that. Um, you know, I, my original nickname was Tiger after my, my, my dad was Tiger. He played with Casserie in the 60s and 70s and won, uh, won four county titles and won the first official county title, a Connacht title for a club in, in 69. And um, God rest a friend of mine, uh, Kieran Webb, um, sadly, sadly uh, passed on, um, had had started calling me Cockamillish. And... Uh, that was abbreviated down to cake by by others who didn't know what the Irish for Cockamillish was. So uh, that's how it came around, and that one stuck. It stuck. It stuck. Obviously for for a lifetime, and uh, probably better known as that now than anything else. Definitely, definitely. I think that's a, a good note to to leave it for this week. Uh, can I can I just say something? I uh, just just in relation to the the, the Roscommon and Mio game the weekend. Uh, I meant to actually say it on the intro. We sadly lost a great man the weekend in Roscommon called Paddy Cummins. Um, you wouldn't know him, and many in Castlebar wouldn't know him. But I just found out about his his passing the weekend. And Paddy was one of these these wonderful, wonderful G gents. He was an incredible soul. Um, since I started playing with Roscommon back in the in the early nineties. He's right to the, to the end, um, even playing with Bridget's, he'd follow the matches. Um, he was an incredible source of pride to us in Roscommon. He was a great follower. All his family were great followers of the game. And uh, to his family, I'd like to wish, wish them um, our condolences on, on Paddy's passing. He was in his 93rd year. Uh, but I'm sure as he was lowered to the floor on on, on Sunday or Monday, he uh, he uh, he was looking down on on us in uh, Castlebar and probably will be for the rest of the championship. So uh, the, on that mm-hmm. note, I would like to like to finish and and um, wish them all the very best and and thanks to Paddy for and his family mm-hmm. for all the support over the years that they've given Roscommon football. Yeah, he was definitely smiling down watching that on on Sunday. Certainly was. 100%. So, um, listen, thanks a million to everyone for listening. Thanks to Shane for coming in to us. Pleasure. And uh, we'll be back next week for, for more Football Talk. 
Don't worry, hurling fans, we haven't forgot about you. We still have Niall McIntyre here, our hurling correspondent, to talk about the league final between Limerick and Kilkenny. Limerick winning by 11 points, Niall, and it wasn't unexpected. No, no. Um, to be fair, Kilkenny started the game well and got some lovely scores. Adrian Mullen, he was back from injury. He's probably Kilkenny's best player on the day and back with a bang and flew into it with an early score. Richie Reid followed up and there were three points to no score up early on. But Limerick, I suppose, was similar in the Tipperary in the semi-final. They were slow to start, but once they got going, they, they just took off and there was no stopping them. And this game was over with 20 minutes to play. You knew Limerick were, there was no catching them. They were missing... I suppose the the daunting thing for the for the rest of all the other hurling counties really is that Limerick could could do this without Declan Hannan, who's arguably one of their most important players, William O'Donoghue who was suspended, Kyle Hayes was on the bench, he had a small injury, and Tom Arcy, one of their best players, only comes on at half time, and they can still they've lads stepping in, they've Colin Cochran coming in, doing a great job at wing back, Cahill O'Neill flying it, just if even if they're missing. A few players, they can step up. They've lads to come in, absolutely no bother. And I don't know, I was only thinking about this last night. Like you think of a, a, a rest of Ireland hur- or the best hurling team, an, an all-star hurling team, say. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to pick anyone. It's hard to pick. It's hard to single out anyone from other counties who'd get into that Limerick team at the moment. They're just so good there. I mean, from Nicky Quaid all up to the corner, Aaron Galan is hurling some sensational stuff and at the end of the game they win by 11 points and John Kiley is still he's not happy he's saying we wouldn't be happy with the the wides they hit and the overall performance even and they weren't winning the league final by 11 points I mean it's just um, I don't know I don't know where you go from here as a Tipperary man it's, it's, it's fairly daunting because Limerick don't seem to be slowing down whatsoever Yeah it is frightening and uh, Dara Donovan got man of the match and he sort of gave an insight Till that mentality he's quoted here he said this is a squad effort it's 37 players for the first time ever on Tuesday night we had everyone everyone of the 37 training on Tuesday night they're all pushing for places ahead of the Waterford game I mean there's 37 of them you know and they're all fit and active it's it's terrifying yeah they're not missing they're not missing anyone like and yeah that was what John Kiley was saying was that you know we're we we know that if we show up like this, we'll be beaten against Waterford. And like I'm I'm sitting there listening to this, I'm thinking, no, you won't. Like <laughs> you, you'll probably you'll still win. They're just on. They seem to be on a different level. Like the the interviewer, I think it was Michal O'Donnell, was making out to John Kiley. Do you know, like um, like you'll be, do you know, you'll be you'd be okay. You still you played well. You got one by yeah. eleven points. This came fairly easy to you. But he was saying, do you know, we don't. We don't really focus on the opposition. It's all about hitting our own targets and so on. And they just, you know, when you're talking like that, you're not even focusing too much on the opposition. It's just like a team that's on a completely different level. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what they were yesterday. I suppose Aaron Galan, I don't even got man the match, but Aaron Galan for me, as he often is, was, was probably the main man. His goal was something sensational, just something that very few people would do or can do. When he doubles on the ball after being passed it in by Seamus Flanagan, landed unbelievably for the first goal as well, coming out like a just hopping over Park Walsh to catch the ball and setting up Barry Nash and just to have it every way. And um, no, it is. It's it's very daunting now. You'd have to say. Um, 
They're, it's, they're sensational to watch, like, but yeah. just, you know. The, the competition seems to be within County. Like, even that, what he was saying there, like, he's more worried about the players in his own squad coming and pushing for places and pushing him out of the team. They're not afraid of anyone else in the country. They're just fighting for, for places, knowing that they've got something really special here. Yeah, yeah, they certainly do. Um, I don't know where where we're going to go from here or who's going to... It's going to take something special to stop them this year because they just seem to be... It just seems like this year is, and I know there could be there could be an argument that other counties just realised they watched Waterford win the league last year and they've seen Waterford blow up in the championship mm-hmm. and maybe they've seen how much Waterford put into that, that they're saying, like, well, listen, we're not going to beat them twice in one year, so maybe we will ease back a small bit in the league. And you could see that in how Galway played against them in Salt Hill. They weren't, they weren't up for it at all, mm-hmm. really. I'd say Clare... When they played them, it was a completely different game to declare that horse into them in, in Semple Stadium last year. So maybe, and I'm hoping this is this the case, that other teams were just holding a little bit back and and not um, giving it the full welly against Limerick in the league. But they'll have to have been holding a lot back mm-hmm. if they want to beat them because um, yeah, they're just they just seem to they're they're definitely on on a different level right now. Anyway, yeah. Well, I mean Cork. They put it up to them in that, like, they mustered up a victory, although that was so early on. I mean, yeah. Do you think that'll actually be a negative going forward? Well, look, they'll, they, Cork will be part of the chasing pack along yeah. with Tip, Tip, like, Munster is going to be competitive. Whoever, like, it's just five teams there with a huge chance. And then, you know, Kilkenny, I don't know, they obviously weren't at the same level as they were in the All-Ireland final mm-hmm. when they did run Limerick fairly close. Mm-hmm. Um, last year like you couldn't say Kilkenny were, were taking it easy they were hitting Limerick hard yesterday and do you know it's just um, Limerick they just managed to weather the storm you, you, you're kind of thinking early on when Kilkenny are winning you're thinking is this the day yeah. they're going to struggle they're 3-0 yeah. down but they just managed to always weather the storm it was the same against Tip mm-hmm. Tip were 5 or 6 up it's in the semi-final absolutely flying and then just Limerick come out with the blocks and clean up in, in the second half so yeah. um, yeah and I suppose elsewhere there was a great win for Offaly who are on a bit of a on the rise you'd have to say at the minute they had a good win over Leash Leash would have been Leash might, might be seen as a team who are coming back a small but they had a poor um, league campaign and were relegated after losing to Westmead and then Offaly came and came along and beat them Owen Cahill was very good for them um, which Offaly are going well under Jolly Kelly now this year you would have thought when Ushin Kelly their star man was ruled out with a cruciate earlier in the year that that might you know that might take that might derail them a small bit but they've kicked on and I suppose at the other end of the the spectrum it just shows what momentum can do for a team in that Offaly beat Kildare in that uh, Division 2A promotion final last year to get or last week to get promoted up to um, Division 1 mm-hmm. and Offaly go out and beat Leash and Kildare on the other hand go out and get hammered by Carlo 18 or 19 points um, and Kildare haven't beaten Carlo by 16 or 17 points in, in, in the league so it just shows momentum mm-hmm. it's such a fine balance and Offaly going one way and Kildare going the other mm-hmm. it's all about sort of riding that crest of the wave Um, That's all we have time for today. Remember to like, share and subscribe to the GAR and we'll see you next week.